Hello, welcome to Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. This is your host, Al Simon, with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And uh, on our show, we talk with smart people. We talk with high-performing business professionals. And the idea is to sharpen our skills and to learn new ideas and concepts and to share best practices and get to know these smart people. So, listen carefully, take some notes, and look for the contact information at the end of the segment so that you can engage with them, in this case, with Frank Williamson, my guest. As always, we will conclude our show with a sales tip from me in our Ask Al segment. So here we go. My guest today, Frank Williamson with Oakland Consulting, founder and president, overall major guru. Frank, how you doing? Fine, Al. Good to be here with you. Good to have you, all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee. So you have an office in Chattanooga. You have an office and a big presence in Atlanta. Fair? Yeah. Yes, we do. We're lucky to have a, a few people on the ground here, a few people there. And from my perspective, Chattanooga is a great place to live if you're working in Atlanta. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Chattanooga is a great city. I love going to Chattanooga. Great city. So, so Frank, Oakland Consulting, it's like a sort of investment banking kind of sort of consultancy, lots of stuff that you do that's different than banks, right? It's different than private equity firms, right? Can you tell us more about all that? Yeah. Well, here, here's how we help people, Al. We sort of help prepare business owners to work effectively with private equity firms, with successors who are individuals who might be buying their businesses, with competitors or complementary companies that might be the exit strategy for someone. And we help people in an organized way raise money to grow when they need it. Um, so we're not putting money to work. And we are not like many of our peers in the industry of helping businesses change ownership. We're not working on a commission. We're just helping people work through to get to good decisions. So it's a true consultancy. It is a true consultancy. So for mergers and acquisitions or, or in, an infusion, uh, infusion of capital or whatever is needed, that kind of thing? Exactly. So you've got actually a lot of different services, right? Well, it, it might seem that way from, from, from a distance, but it, all of it boils down to how, how do we help people present themselves well to money people in order to get money on good terms? in return for some stake in their operating business. Okay. Whether, you know, whether it's a, a loan and that kind of stake or whether it's selling a business out altogether. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because me as a business owner, I have, would have no idea how to go about doing that. You know, it's the kind of thing people do once a career or if people really get into the mode of doing mergers and acquisitions, maybe they do it four times in their career. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, we, we find that people really appreciate that when you get to that point, you're working with someone who's doing it all the time because it just gives you some comfort that you know how the game's played. Okay. So, and, and you say more effectively, does that mean that you help them with best practices? Do you actually get inside these conversations yourself? Or how, what, do you, what do you do there? Depending on what people need. You know, we might fully act as an intermediary for somebody and you know, stand in as a, as a middleman, or we might, in other cases, only do conference calls away from the table. So okay. That, so that if you, know, if you were working with someone, thinking about, you know, what's the, 
succession plan around your business and it didn't seem appropriate in that situation for there to be anyone else at the table. It was just a discussion and a relationship to work out on your own. We're perfectly happy to stay in the background and coach where it's useful. Or if it works better to have someone else present and running interference, we're happy to do that too. You know, that's a great combination, uh, really, or, or a spectrum of ways you can work with people. Uh, and do you work with uh, sellers only, but also with buyers, or, or how does that? We do a little bit of both. Do you? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're working with, uh, with an Atlanta client now who, whose business is growing quickly, and they think that they can grow even more quickly by buying a series of small businesses mm -hmm. and not just being out selling. And so we're helping them design what's the process for them to get out in the market for buying businesses, convince owners of businesses that they're a good home, and you know, build a string of acquisitions. So that's the buy side. Most of what we do is helping people sell a business at that point in their jobs and careers. Interesting. So I, I help companies grow by growing revenue. You can help companies grow by acquisitions. Exactly. And they're both valid strategies, right? They're both valid strategies, and mm -hmm. they're both sales, because it's hard to close an acquisition if you can't sell the idea to the owner that life's going to be better on the other side of that deal. I'll bet, because otherwise it's just a hassle, right? That's right. Otherwise, yeah. people are just talking. Yeah, I, I believe that. So how do business owners best make these kinds of high-impact decisions, you know, like buying or selling or bringing in new stakeholders, outside investors. I mean, there's, there's, there's got to be a, a bunch of things that people without your help would do wrong, right? You know, the, the number one thing, Al, that I see people do wrong is they chase one idea or they chase one deal opportunity to see how it's going to work out. And it either does or it doesn't. You know, the odds of any particular deal closing sort of like the odds of any particular prospect closing, you know, are not 100%. And it is a huge amount of work to do all the negotiations and give all the information and go through all the emotional heartache to sell a business or to combine it with another one. And time after time, we see people say, well, here was one opportunity and I want to run it down. And, it does, and then it, it breaks down for some yeah. reason. And then they say, okay, well, let's go do another one. And it breaks down. Yeah. And that is a prime way for everyone to be worn out, tired, and ultimately capitulate. And, it, and it's one of the yeah. places where, where I, I think people fail a little bit to think about selling a business like sales because – anyone well-trained by you, but good salespeople well, in, in, yeah. in general <laughs> would say, you know, I need more than one lead to make up a sales funnel. They'd better. Uh, yeah. Because it's not, you know, you, yeah. it's a hard way to make a living to have just one lead at a time. Um, and you're going to wear yourself out. Yeah. And, and it's interesting when people start to think about the future of their business, how many people go after the first thing that looks promising and try to run it down rather than saying, you know, it's time to go do this. Let me go fill the sales pipeline. Let me go yeah. fill the prospect pipeline. Often because they don't know where to go to fill it. Yeah. And that's one point where we help people. Well, I just saw uh, play out what you're talking about. I have an acquaintance in another city 
who uh, was going to sell his business. He had a lead, someone who said, hey, you know, I might want to buy your business. And he, they did have a lot of work. There was a mm-hmm. lot of work, a lot of stuff, a lot of time um, that they both spent, you know, doing this dance. And in the end, you know, it didn't work out. So right. then there was a second person. And that went a long time, a lot of effort, a lot of activity, a lot of time. It didn't work out. So now my acquaintance is in plan B. And frankly, plan B is settling for a lot less. Yeah. And and he's disappointed and he's worn out, like you said. It just right. and, and, and so, you know, if I had known this was all going to be happening, I would have introduced you to him. <laughs> Make it a lot easier on him. My goodness. So, yeah, I can see where that would be. It, it makes a it makes a big difference when Plan A involves understand what all my options are first, and then start to qualify all those options simultaneously. Now, I don't mean to suggest that's not also a lot of work, and that's often why people call us too, because not not only do they not know the process, but you could use some help because you've got yeah. to run the business at the same time. You actually too. do have a day job. <laughs> actually, it it is unfortunately it is a nights and weekends job for mm-hmm. business owners because you can't let the day job break down and then expect this to work out and so right. both things have to happen at one time plus aren't there dynamics like you don't want rumors to get out into your company people get nervous and i mean yeah absolutely and everyone needs to think about the way that that works best and the culture that they've built mm-hmm and, it, and there's not one way. You know, in, in some organizations, you absolutely want to keep things quiet. In other organizations, you know, it, it works to take the same attitude of most real estate developers that I know, which is let everybody know publicly. It's all for sale all the time. We can always <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. And it's, a, it, it's amazing how that creates comfort mm-hmm. in some situations. People say, well, you know, I know my boss is in his late 60s. I'm pretty sure he or she's not going to live forever. They're starting to look like they don't want to work forever. And so when, they, and when someone comes along and says, well, I'm thinking about what we do with the business next, everyone says, well, of course. Well, that was new. We already knew that, there was something. Yeah, yeah, we already knew something was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it, it, it's really interesting on a, on a business by business and culture by culture perspective, people do need to think through how am I going to – talk about what might be happening and it i always find it um interesting to watch the people who realize it turned out to be a whole lot less of a big deal Mm -hmm. than they were worried that it would be okay but a good first step would be talk to you right and then you can start you can get the lay of the land and then you can help them make different decisions on all this and and then you can like we said bring to the table more than just plan a things that they might be able to do that's right okay all right so really as soon as you start thinking about buying or selling talk to you that's the bottom line right because if they get farther down the road you know having already made some mistakes it, it can just be you'll, you'll just be tired when you start you know it's nice yeah. it's nice to start out with energy and yeah. you know we talk to people often when they're starting to think about their options don't quite know what they're going to do they might want someone inside their business to succeed them. They might know that the best place for their business to go is to a competitor because size is going to help both companies. They might know the last place 
for something to go is to a competitor. And they need to think about, you know, mm. is there somebody else in their ecosystem where teaming up makes the most sense? Um, or they might have, you know, or, or they might have concluded that, and, and this does happen from time to time, that the best thing to do with a business is to wind it down. And it's good to be able to talk through what's realistic and what's not and how you can take an idea all the way to the finish line with somebody who's been through that process before. So I'm curious about something that, that you just said, Frank. When would it be good to talk to competitors and when would it not be good to talk to competitors? That's a great question. Um, it would... The people who I see succeed best in succession transactions late, late in their careers and looking at things are people who are natural networkers. They're the sorts of people who know their competitors, who are friendly with their competitors, you know, who know this just business and you know, when you're out on the playing field and that's your opponent and not your enemy because they'll have found a way to talk with them about, hey, what if we did something bigger? Or what if um, you know, we, we combined forces how much influence would we have with our suppliers or how much with our customers? Those sorts of things just open up more options when you're kind of constantly thinking about the community of you and your competitors. When would you not want to talk to them? Is when it is easy and cheap for a competitor to take over some chunk of your business. Now, if you've got good relationships and you've got you know, sticky contracts or a, you know a really sticky business there's probably not that much risk in it but if okay. it's the kind of thing where you and your competitors are swapping customers frequently it might just be better that they not know right because i was thinking that in the sales arena you know if i if 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 i was up against my competitor i wouldn't want them to be able to tell our mutual prospect hey you know i was thinking about selling this company I mean that would be that would be a problem. It it often could be, but if you had been around talking with that competitor off and on all the time, saying, "Hey, you know, should we do something together?" Yeah. Could we do more together? If otherwise, then like like the real estate developer saying it's always for sale all the time. Mm -hmm. There's a little element of our saying, you know, maybe he is. But he's always thinking about what to do and how to grow and what could make things better. And, and it sort of you know, defuses the issue a little bit. For it someone would, to say, yes, I was in here just the other day talking about how he might team up with somebody else or might grow in this way by joining with someone else. And we hear him talk about it all the time and we assume he's going to do it when it's right for us. And for our customers. And for our customers. Awesome. Now that's, that's a good way to address it. Really good if that were to happen. Good. So why do entrepreneurs seem to excel at selling their own products or services, but really not very good at selling their business? <laughs> why is that? Because almost all of them are great salespeople. I mean, you wouldn't, you yeah, wouldn't I mean, own a business if you weren't a good salesperson. Um, right. it, it wouldn't be much of a business. You wouldn't make it very far because <laughs> right, you have right, to have right. clients. Yes. And... Um, so it's the most interesting thing, I think, to watch people make a shift from selling their products or services 
to selling their businesses. And I, and I think there are a couple of reasons that make it challenging. One is, it's just a different market. You know, each of us sort of learns to sell in the, within the norms of how our market works. Mm-hmm. So if I'm out selling enterprise software, I, I know how to work the enterprise software sale. I understand how people make decisions. I understand the differences among my prospects. Um, if I turn around and say, well, now I am selling the promise of future cash flow and I'm selling a group of customer contracts as one thing, people just don't know how that market works. So that's number one, it's an unfamiliar market. Right. Yeah. And, e- and each market's got its norms. So that's one reason I think people struggle with it. Another is that it is hard to distinguish a company and its owner or president or CEO a lot, especially for the person who is the owner or founder to get it separate from him or herself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and it's easier to sell a thing than to sell yourself. And the notion that I'm going to go get together a bunch of leads and qualify them when I'm quote unquote selling myself is just a weird feeling. Yeah. So, the the second reason I think is it takes creating a little bit of perspective to separate the person from the company and the owner from the operator mm-hmm. in order to go then be effective yeah. in this un- unfamiliar seeming market. Right. So Frank, what if I'm not thinking of selling or buying, but I want just want to raise capital? How is it like? selling or you know selling your products and services and how is it different from that you know it is almost well relative to selling your business it's almost the same thing no matter what kind of capital it is Mm -hmm. and and you could say well you know a bank loan feels kind of different except when you go through all the process of telling a banker about how your business is going to work over the next you know year and you can and you tell them all the things that a that the credit committee inside the bank needs to know, you realize you've basically told the whole story of the future of your business in order to get a bank loan. And so that in almost, in many ways, is almost the same as selling your company. There's just a different contract mm-hmm. that gave you money today in return for business performance in the future. So that's, regardless of the kind of capital, if you want money to grow, it really is the same conversation. Do, okay. I, do, do I want money... Do I want money and leave, or do I want money and stay? One way or another, someone's got to get that money paid back. So okay. That's similar. Right. You know, compared to selling products and services, you, I know, teach people a lot about consultative selling. Mm-hmm. The people who can do the best job selling their business have had a conversation with the person across the table for them about what their needs are and how a combination of businesses is going to create a better outcome for them and address some pain point. I'd say from a, it, it, when people remember that they're selling, when they're in the middle of these transactions about getting capital, they tend to realize it's the same process. Okay. It works better when you ask about what people's real needs are. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? 
<laughs> just get down to why we're doing this. What's the purpose? What's the problem? What's the objective? Instead of just feature benefit dump. Exactly. All right. Very good. Frank, one more question. This is a crazy market time. Right? Crazy. With uh, the political environment and COVID and, and, uh, and just so much noise. Is this a, a good environment for buying or selling a business or not? That is a fantastic question, Al. I think, I think it is, but I don't want our listeners to go away saying, when, so therefore it's going to be easy. Mm. So here's what I've seen happen you know, all of the last two years. Number one, there is a huge amount of money out looking to buy privately held businesses, small ones, big ones. Um, probably every business owner we know has an inbox full of direct marketing from someone saying, I want to make a loan to you, I want to buy your company, I want to, like we do, help you sell your company. But somewhere in the mix of that transaction, there is a lot going on. There are people getting unsolicited offers from bigger companies in their industries. Hey, sell out to us, come join us, we'll make something bigger together. And, and the number of those conversations that is beginning is huge. Is it? The number of those conversations that is ending is smaller than the number beginning. Okay. And I have seen, just this year working with clients, more of the time than not, people get all the way through their, the sort of high level part of the negotiation and it looks pretty good. And they get into the details of the negotiation and something breaks. Mm-hmm. And deals get pushed off by a month or three months or forever. And so, you know, it certainly looks like it could not be a better time to do something. But what's happening, I think, are the most prepared people are getting their deals done and other people are really struggling at the end. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right. Well, Frank, I should say our guest today, Frank Williamson, the founder and president of Oakland Consulting. Frank, if if our listeners are looking to buy or sell or raise capital, or in any kind of an M&A kind of discussion or uh, any kind of a equity in the business kind of discussion, they should not wait, right? They just go ahead and talk to you now. Yes, go ahead and talk now. Um, and, and if people would visit our website at oaklandconsulting.com or, or give one of my partners or me a call at, uh, you know, on our main number, which is... 888-983-1617. We are always open to just listening to people. And we find that it's a really productive conversation when people are at the moment of grappling with their issues. Mm. They don't have to know what they're going to do yet, but it's become a question. How am I going to find succession? Should I go grow by acquisition? And if they find it, it comforting and helpful, to just talk about the environment. We love to talk with people about you know, these issues and help when we can. Okay. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. Once again, to get a hold of you, 
you can do it at the website, which is oaklandconsulting.com. And Oakland is spelled O-A-K-L-Y-N. Right? So oaklandconsulting.com. Or call 888-983-1617. Did I get all that right? You got all that right. Well, what a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's my pleasure, and our listeners are going to benefit from this. And, I, and, uh, and so, listeners, listen, take advantage of this opportunity. If you're a business owner or if you want to be a business owner or you're thinking about uh, getting a stake in any kind of organization or have any kind of partnership issues or, or M&A type uh, questions or issues, talk to Frank Williamson. Do it now. Uh, so, again, this is Al Simon at Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And our show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. Frank, thanks for being here. Thank you too, Al. Okay, so let's transition to our Ask Al segment where I get to talk sales, which I am known to love to talk about sales, Frank. And uh, our listeners send questions in. And, and so if you are a listener who wants to send me a sales question or a sales management question, send it to al.simon.com at sandler.com al.simon at sandler.com send me your question and we just might answer it on the show like this particular question that has been sent in by a listener the question is why do my prospects keep ghosting me okay well I you know take a shower once in a while no just not so he goes on to say I give them the quote and I can't seem to get them on the phone again for weeks sometimes months Every now and then, one of these prospects comes back and buys, but most often I never hear from them again, even though at one time they seem to be really engaged, right? Seem to be really excited. You know, Frank, prospects are good at sounding like they're really excited. You know, that they really do get that down, how to do that so that they can pull information from the salesperson. That's really what they're after. Prospects are after, give me knowledge, give me power, give me information, and then I'll make my decision and don't bug me while I'm doing that. That's pretty much the... Uh, the definition of a prospect in sales these days. And you know what? It's not a bad definition for the prospect. They should be doing that. They should be gaining knowledge. And most of the, most of the time, salespeople are, are, are happy to give it. In fact, you know, we have a one-liner that says, don't spill your candy in the lobby, which means you know, don't lead with your features and benefits and all your stuff. Most salespeople spill candy everywhere. Right? They just can't help it. And, and, and maybe it's because they're passionate about what they sell or maybe because, like me, I once had a boss that taught me my job was to educate the prospect. So guess what I did? <laughs> I educated a lot of prospects. For whatever the reason, uh, prospects know that most salespeople are going to go ahead and give them all the information they want, answer every question, in, in fact, overload them with information, and then they want to go away. They, want, they don't want the salesperson to be in their face. Uh, they don't want to be uh, pestered uh, until they say, okay, let's talk again. And so this ghosting thing, which is very prevalent today, it, it's, a, it's amazing uh, how, how bad the ghosting scenario is. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. It doesn't have to be that way. When we're, in, when we're in sales, yes, we should be a source of good information for our prospects. But let's make sure that we set expectations correctly. Let's make sure we do it right. And the number one thing I would say right off the bat is, why in the world are we e emailing out quotes? Where did that come from? 
I mean, all of a sudden, it's it's very convenient to email out proposals and quotes and and hard copies of presentations and white papers and case studies and stuff, including our pricing. Email it out. Well, no wonder we get ghosted. Stop doing that. You should never give away your intellectual property and your pricing unless it's live, unless you and the prospect are talking live. I'm talking face-to-face, same room, you know, knee-to-knee, or at least on some kind of a Teams or Zoom or some kind of a video call, the very least phone call. Let it, let's not have these, you know, email in and out, and then, you know, the, the chase begins, the follow-up, the follow-up, the follow-up. And, you know, and sometimes we're chasing ghosts. So no wonder we get ghosted. So stop doing those things over email. Do those things live. Set the expectations correctly for your next steps. And then inspect what you expect. If you, if you expect that the prospect is going to uh, sit with you and go through the proposal live and then give you a decision within a couple of days, make sure that you expect that or inspect that expectation and make sure it's really going to happen. And then say, you know, Frank, I know you're busy. Uh, you, you got so much going on. Are you sure it's reasonable that you can give me a decision by Monday? Should we make it Tuesday? Now, let me tell you, if you say that to your prospect, they're going to remember. And, and most likely, you're not going to have a problem getting an answer by Tuesday. Seriously. But if you say, hey, yeah, okay, good. I'm glad you're going to give me that information, that, you know, that decision by Monday. Cool. I'll talk to you then. Looking forward to it. Well, you know, next Friday, you're going to be going, man, should I call Frank? Should I email him again? Should I, oh, everybody knows how that, how that goes. So, and then at the end, if, if, it's, if it has been a while and your prospect still isn't getting back with you, offer to close the file. Call them up. You're going to get their voicemail because they're ghosting you. But on the voicemail, say, hey, Frank, would it make sense for me to go ahead and close your file? And then you can contact me again when you're ready to reopen it, if ever. Does that sound fair? And you'll be fine. And then, and then go ahead and physically take Frank off your prospect list so you don't spend emotional capital on it. And go find another prospect that's, that's going to make a decision in a better time frame. So that's, that would be my advice for the person who's getting ghosted, which is probably 98.6% of the population of salespeople right now, huh, Frank? Crazy. That sounds the way to, you know, in, in our market, Al, we're talking to lots of private equity funds. The business development person across the table from us, whose job is to bring prospects in for potential investment, has a rule of thumb that as a performance metric, he or she should bring in 100 looks for every investment the fund wants to make. Wow. So number one, what a, what a wheel spinning waste of effort at some level. I, I'm tired just thinking about it. It is unbelievable. And so part of what we're, we coach people to do is, well, know that you're selling into an environment. Mm where there's a 1% close ratio. Now you can do a lot to get yourself down that thing, but if you don't control the process and set realistic expectations about how people talk with you and have good habits like closing the file, you'll just find yourself calling people all the time who, are, who have put your company and, and your interest somewhere in their CRM just to be able to tot up a 1% close ratio. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a, it's a frustrating place to be in, an easy place to be ghosted. 
if you haven't thought ahead about how am I going to keep this from happening. I can imagine. Okay, so that's some advice on on if you're being ghosted and, and really more importantly how not to get ghosted. Stop doing proposals, quotes via email. Just stop it right now. Okay. All right, so uh, this is Al Simon with Sandler Training by Simon, Inc. The show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. Our guest today has been Frank Williamson, founder and president of Oakland Consulting. Thanks again, Frank, for being here. And listeners, as always, good selling. Good selling.